Sends the blood indeed. If you have a godly heritage, thank God for your heritage. I have some cousins here, so that's always good to be with family. I don't operate in a realm of a lot of where we go to church. We don't have family, so it's always fun to join up with relatives. Good morning to you all. God bless you. I wish you the spirit of wisdom as you listen to God's voice in your life. I pray that God showed you this week who he needed you to be. And this morning as we contemplate who God is, what God has done, and uh, what he means to you, uh, it is my, my prayer that God's word would be an inspiration to you for, for tomorrow, for Tuesday, for Wednesday, that you would take his word with you. And this morning, I'm going to share with you a couple thoughts about recognizing, recognizing God, recognizing who God is and his involvement in your life, the reality of God's involvement. Uh, consider with me, just to get our minds turning a little bit this morning, the events of the, the crucifixion and of the resurrection, which of course was the pivotal moment in the world, in, the, in humankind. It's a pivotal, pivotal moment in the history of of all humanity. And we have the ability of hindsight, correct? We can look back on those events in which God in the flesh, in the form of man, by the person of Jesus Christ, was tortured, condemned, crucified. And of course, we then know that by the power of God, he was raised to life again. You know know that scenario because it is pivotal to your faith. Those that, those that experienced that didn't have that hindsight. They didn't have that context of knowing what that was all about. They knew maybe a little bit about it, but they didn't know the whole implication of what was going on. And they were absolutely terrified. Like, think about how terrifying that moment was as they witnessed Jesus being taken into custody, being tortured, and then being you know, crucified by the Roman methods of execution. That was something that caused a lot of fear for the friends and followers of Jesus. Of course, we know it didn't end. We know that Jesus came back. And have you ever wondered at the context of what Jesus was as a crucified, risen Lord? Did he look exactly the same? He had scars. We know he had scars on his hands. Was there anything about him that was different after he walked the earth prior to his ascension. Because what he had gone through was, for him, was also life-changing. It was, he, he went through something he never did before, and that was physical death. There are several implications that, or scenarios, I should say, that people talked to Jesus after he was back to intermingle with those that he loved very much. And they had a face-to-face encounter with him and didn't recognize him, okay? So, again, we're talking about recognizing God, coming face-to-face with God, recognizing him, and not missing him. As he showed himself to his friends, uh, there were different times, we're going to look at this morning, which, like I mentioned, they didn't didn't, immediately know who he was. And my question is, do you recognize the presence of God in your life every day? Do you see God working in your situations? You know Psalm 46.1 says, you know it by heart, God is our refuge and our strength. And then it says, God is our ever-present, ever-present help in trouble. 
And the whole concept of being present is something being in a particular place, right? If you're present, you are in that place. You are there. Or another, another definition would be existing or occurring now. So, God is our refuge and our strength. He is our help that is existing right now for you and for I. God is our ever-present help. We believe, it's easy to admit the existence, and we do that, the existence of a sovereign God, a creator, uh, someone who is in charge of the world. And maybe it's not, we're not quite as quick to bring him into context of our daily happenings. Not just by default. We don't try to do that, but it's maybe not quite as much on our minds. This morning we're going to look at three different contexts, three different accounts in Scripture of the way Jesus showed himself to his people. And each one of these accounts uh, shows us things that we can learn about recognizing God in our lives. And in each situation, we're going to look at uh, what, when they realized that they were speaking to God in the flesh, when God was in their situation, they realized that they were face-to-face with Jesus. What did that bring? What did it bring to them? What did it do for them in their moment? First account we're going to look at is in the book of John. So you can turn to the book of John, chapter 20. And we know this as Mary at the tomb, as you'll, you know this account. The book of John, chapter 20, let's start at verse 11 and read to verse 18. Verse 11 reads like this, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping as she, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And see a two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had said thus, she turned herself, and she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren, and saith unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that he had spoken these things unto her. I'm going to stop right there. You ever wonder why Mary didn't recognize Jesus? I, I think Jesus looked very much the same as prior to his crucifixion, aside from his scars. There might have been a different air about him, something a little bit different about him, but essentially he looked a lot the same. So the question is, what was Mary experiencing that kept her from recognizing 
that she was in the presence of God in the flesh, that God was with her. Why did she not see that? And I believe there's two things that played into this scenario with Mary. One of them is that Mary was experiencing intense disappointment. She was very, very disappointed about what had just happened. Her Messiah, her Lord, her hope, everything she was banking on, she thought, was, 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 was dead, was in the grave. And she was terribly disappointed about what was happening. And in her disappointment, where was she looking? She was looking in the tomb. She was focusing on the wrong place. So as Mary went into the the tomb, the sepulcher as it's called, and she saw that it was empty. Rather than thinking, if the tomb is empty, then he must be alive. But because Mary was experiencing such intense disappointment, she continued to focus on her area of disappointment, right? She kept looking in the tomb, and she couldn't figure this out. She thought, if he's not here, apparently he's buried somewhere else. They have taken him away. Uh, Still thinking about him as the crucified and the, the, the Lord that was dead, her Lord that was dead. She did not recognize that God was with her, that God was right there with her because she was extremely disappointed and she was focusing on the wrong place. What did the presence of God bring Mary? And again, these are life lessons that we can apply to ourselves. What did the the presence of God with her in the flesh, God, man, what did that bring Mary? How did she respond when she realized that she was talking face to face with Jesus? The recognition of Jesus brought Mary great comfort and great relief. Right? When she realized that Jesus was alive, can you imagine the feelings that just flooded over her, washed over her? The relief that she experienced, the unbelief and the joy. Again, the presence of God brought Mary great comfort and great relief. So we need to ask ourselves, what about us? What about myself? Life brings its fair amount of disappointments, does it not? Sure it does. We are, things happen that bring uh, sorrowful hearts. It, it brings a downtime in our lives. It makes us sort through our feelings, and we wish things weren't the way they were. Right? When we are experiencing an intense disappointment, when you're disappointed about something, the natural response is, what do you focus on? I focus on my disappointment. That's what's natural. It's hard to look past whatever I'm currently working through in my life. That disappointment has has my interest, has my focus. And that is where I focus, just like Mary. She was focused on the tomb. But church, it's in those moments of disappointment when you're sorting through those feelings and you have to maybe change your plans or accept something new or work through whatever whatever that disappointment is. It is then, it is then that God is waiting for you to turn and realize that God is right in your disappointment. He's waiting for you to turn and recognize his presence. And, And rather than continue to focus on a disappointment, we, like Mary, can turn 
and we know God is with us. The sovereign creator of the universe, the King of kings and Lord of lords, is present with us. He wants to be involved in your disappointment. And he is there to help. He's there to be the source of great comfort and great relief. God is waiting to show himself through that disappointment. Isn't that a beautiful context as we learn from Mary? Again, we are recognizing God in your day-to-day life. God is your ever-present, my ever-present help. He is in our situations. He is existing in your disappointment. And as you work through a disappointment, remember to take your focus off, which is not always easy. Change your focus. Realize that the King of Kings is your Lord. He is alive, and his presence is available for you. And he will guide you through the process of coming to joy and relief. Prior to moving to Reading, uh, Corey and I, we had a couple children. We lived in Denver, Denver Effort area, and we wanted to be closer to church. It was trooper driving from Reading to, from Denver to Reading weekly. And so we began the uh, process of looking for a house, right? Those of you who have been house searching might have, might have enjoyed that. I don't know how you felt, but we were looking, we had our, our ideas of where we wanted to live. And we were searching in the context of the perimeter of, you know, Reading, Moton, around. And we were looking for uh, maybe a year, over about over a year, uh, I would say, just looking at this, watching, we viewed a couple, and nothing seemed to really fit our wants. <laughs> and we kept by passing stuff up. And then we finally found a place in just north of Reading, just above the city there. And it was a nice, decent-sized house, you know, for our family. We thought, hmm, this is, this is going to work. This is good. We liked the, We went through it, and we felt good about it. And we put an offer on it. Uh, we worked with my realtor, and she kind of guided me through it. So we put an offer on it, and we felt like it was probably, hopefully our search was over. And uh, she called a couple of days later and said, this is the strangest thing. I don't understand this, but realtor says he has more offers, and it's kind of getting cagey about it. It was kind of a weird scenario. And we didn't get to place, long story short. That, to us, brought a good element of disappointment. I remember the night I had to tell Corey that we didn't get the house. And in that moment, we didn't, of course, we didn't see what was going on. We, we were disappointed in our circumstances. And we were kind of, we were tired of house hunting. We were tired of searching. And it was then shortly after uh, that we had a word of mouth uh, private seller in this context, in the, the realm of the city of Reading that he was selling. And we went to look at it, and we felt like it was what God was showing us where he wanted us to be. And so we had then bought a place privately. And the week after I gave my uh, verbal agreement on the place that we, we now are now living in, the realtor called me back and said, I forget how she said it, you wouldn't believe this, she said, but the house that you made an offer on is back on the market. So <laughs> we had, in our disappointment, we couldn't see this all was happening, but I will forever remember how God showed his will to us in that situation. Corey and I are now so thankful for where we live. We are grateful for where God, the door that God closed in our lives 
with that one property. There would be a lot of things that we enjoy now that we don't have, we wouldn't have had there. Uh, where this the location would be different. It'd be a lot of commuting. It would just be, it'd be a different scenario for living in that neighborhood. We have now, looking back, we see God in our disappointment. Uh, in the moment, it wasn't easy. And I'm so thankful that God closed that door for us. And I know Corey would agree that we like where we live and we have close community. God will maybe, maybe show you that in your disappointment. And you might have been, maybe you went through that already. And you can look back and say, I'm glad that, although it was hard, I'm glad that that happened because I now see myself in this position. But maybe you're not. Disappointments don't always, hindsight is not always bring clarity to disappointments. Remember God in your disappointment. God of the universe is with you. He's present. And focus on him when you're disappointed. All right. Psalm 27, 13 and 14 says, Yet I'm confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Like Mary, we can experience great comfort and relief in our disappointments by recognizing our sovereign God is with us, our present help. Turn to the book of Luke. Let's look at the second account. Luke 24. This is the account of the two, the followers, excuse me, on the road to Emmaus. Luke Luke 24, let's start at verse 13. It reads like this. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. Of course, this was after the crucifixion. And it came to pass that while they had communed together and they reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And they said unto him, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem that thou knowest not knowest the things which are come to pass these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Well, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which is a prophet mighty indeed and were before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted it had been that he, we trusted that it had been he which should have restored Israel, redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Verse 22, Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying, They had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them, which were with us, went to the sepulcher and found it, even as the woman said. But him they sawest not. Then he said unto them, O fools, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh to the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he, he went on in. He went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread, 
and blessed it and break it and gave to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told these things which were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of the bread. I'm going to stop reading there. Again, an account where individuals came face to face with Jesus and didn't immediately recognize him. Didn't know who he was at first. Of course, we know that God orchestrated that on purpose. It says that it was God's intent that that was the case. But what about the scenario? Uh, what kept them from recognizing uh, who Jesus was? What was in their circumstance that had, them, had, them, had that hidden from them? They were in a situation where things did not go as they expected. They were confused. Two things. Things didn't go as they expected, and they were confused about events. So they expected, possibly expected Jesus, as it says, to set up a kingdom, an earthly kingdom, and to take control and to be the king, to be the, the, the leader of his people. That was possibly their expectation. That was what they were hoping for. And, of course, as we know, looking back, and as they experienced, things didn't go near like they had in mind. And they, were, they could not figure out what was going on. They couldn't figure out why these events were happening. We thought Jesus was going to do this. We thought he was this. We expected this to happen. And what happened with the crucifixion and uh, all those events totally, totally had them confused. It nothing went according to their expected, their, their, the script that they were expecting. And so they find themselves in this scenario, and they were discussing it and talking about it, and about they were kind of saying, well, I thought, didn't Scripture say this? Well, he did this, and he had said this at one time, and you know, the two of them were, were talking, and they were discussing this, and why is this going to happen? And they couldn't figure it out. They were thoroughly confused of what was going on. So the question is, what did the presence of God with them? God in the flesh, Jesus, Son of God, when they recognized him, when he was, came into their, into their situation, what did it bring for them? What did it do for them in their situation? How did it change their scenario? The presence of Jesus brought clarity, brought understanding, and it brought an inner passion. Okay? Clarity, understanding, and an inner passion. Can you relate? Life generally has an expected process, right? We kind of know how, we expect how things are going to go in life, to a certain degree at least. You have your, you know, your life seasons, your life phases. A lot of us, most of us do the same routine as age brings change. Our families go through the same processes. And we expect to the same certain degree of how life is expected to go. You also know, as well as I do, that life brings the unexpected. And life can get very confusing, like the, like the two like the individuals in this, in this account. Sometimes life brings events. <laughs> we, 
we just can't make sense of. God is with us in our confusion. Again, King of kings and Lord of lords, the God of the universe is ever-present in your life circumstances. As our life is going along and uh, things are going as planned, that's the expected. When something doesn't go as planned and you say, wow, I did not see that coming or I wasn't planning for that or this is, it kind of takes you off guard. I'm not necessarily a crisis, just something that you weren't planning on. Something different that came into your life that makes you work a little harder and makes you sort through it. Our natural instinct, when that happens, is to think, where's, where's God? Or Apparently God isn't involved because things didn't go as I expected. The context, the reality of it is, God is showing himself to you by sometimes changing your life's events. Rather than an absence of God that shows God's presence with you, because God's involved and God in the circumstance. I travel 176. Um, I go from Reading to New Holland to work, and I travel 176. It's a real nice stretch of highway. The other month, I was heading down, I was going south, and a guy came past me on a cycle, on a nice big Harley coming by me. And he was doing more than I was. And he was there with his hands in his pockets. It's in the morning, and he had his, had his coat on. And he's there, had his crew set, and he had his hands in his pockets, and he came past me with, with no, of course, with no hands on the, he wasn't st- staring. So I was watching him, and uh, I was just watching him. It was a beautiful morning, he was enjoying his bike. And when he wanted to change lanes, he shifted, right? He just, he leaned out over his, on the side of his bike, had his hand in his, in his pockets, and he just went like that. And he shifted his body off to the side of his bike. Not a lot. And his big old Har- his big Harley that was doing whatever it was. What did it do? That bike shifted wherever he leaned. And he was able to steer his bike by changing the center of shifting the center of gravity. And he's, he was like that for a while. He was, I was watching him. He was steering his bike by leaning. He leaned in one way and he would lean the other and his his Harley would just drift. And I was intrigued. I don't think I would ever get to that point of doing that, but it was obviously he was very comfortable with his bike. He was, he was enjoying it. And he made it safely because I saw him at Wawa, so he was, he was good. And uh, I, was, I, think, I was thinking about how his bike would have stayed, had he not intervened, his bike would have went straight, Right? That bike was balanced. It was by his, his intervention. When he shifted his weights, when he changed something in that circumstance, something was, had to change to make that bike move. And he did that with his weight. And that's very much like our lives. Our lives are, are on, on, on a course. God is very much involved in once, when, when our life takes an unexpected course and we shift off what we expected to happen. You know, your course of action, your course of life, which you were planning on, it, maybe we call it a detour sometimes. It, it, things go differently than what we planned, and it, we, it shifts. Our life course shifts. 
That is not God's absence. Church, that's God's presence, right? That's God's presence with you, showing himself to you. That's God's changing your course by shifting whatever's going on in your life. Allow, see God in, in the unexpected in your life. Take it as a, as a reminder, as a comfort, that God is with you. God is with me. I didn't expect it, but this shows that God is real. God is present. God's your ever-present help in the unexpected. Hosea 14 said it like this in verse 9. He said, whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous will walk in them. The righteous will stay in the ways of the Lord. And it says, but transgressors, transgressors will stumble in them. God has a way for you. Um, as I contemplate where I am at in life today, I wouldn't have predicted necessarily, Corey and I wouldn't have planned exactly where we are. Um, I, don't, you know, I didn't have this vision where I'm going to work towards this spot and I'm going to be right here, right now, and I know where I am. And you can say the same thing probably. You probably, if you reflect on where you're at, you might not be exactly what you would have thought you would be 20 years ago or 10 years ago. Um, the way that I got to where I am, and I assume, I hope same as for you, is I just saw God's direction in each decision. That's just what we do. Right? We say yes to God and to the best of our ability, let him guide our decisions. And God takes us where he wants us to be, just decision by decision by decision. That's God's presence, taking you and I where he wants us to be for his kingdom and doing his kingdom work. Recognize God in your change of events. Let God bring clarity when things don't go as expected. Be reminded that God is with you. God is present. God is real and he's alive and he's active. He's involved in your daily life. The other thing that I find interesting here with this scenario of these followers on the, this, the road to Emmaus, which as we always call it, is that it, it gave them, when they recognized, when they came into the context of meeting, of being with God, Jesus in the flesh, God in man, it gave them uh, an inner passion. It, it, it did something. They said our hearts were burning. Didn't their hearts burn within us when he, when he talked to us and taught us? And it just created this inner fire in them to, to I don't know, sort out what they were feeling. I don't know how to explain what they felt. But it fired them up so much that they went and walked back that same night. They turned around and went back. The whole way they just walked, they went back. And they did that because they were so fired up about sharing the fact that Jesus was alive. And they wanted to talk to the other followers and say, look, this is what just happened. This is what just happened to us. And it really got them going. And I was considering the whole idea of inner passion, of, of us having passions, so our passions come from our personalities and our life experiences. I think that's two things that shape a passion. And the passion is, your passion is what you're excited about. It's what, what you call your high horse sometimes. It's what stirs you up. And your passion, which I hope is kingdom focused, hopefully, uh, your passion, when 
in the context of God's kingdom is given to you by God's presence, the spirit within you. Have you ever considered that your passions show God's involvement in your life? Because God is shaping you. God is guiding your life experiences. And your passions, those things which you like to talk about, and those things that you enjoy sharing with other people, that, in essence, is God's presence with you. That is a reality of God's spirit in you. And God is making you into a person with a passion. Let God's passion drive you. And let it keep you in the kingdom, of course. But let those passions bless other people. Uh, Whatever your passions are, let them be kingdom focused and let them come out and bless other people. Because in this context, when they came into context, when they met God, it gave them a passion. It gave them an inner desire to share and to reach out and to to tell somebody else about what they experienced. And I believe we can do the same with our passions. Uh, They can exemplify God with us by the way that we exemplify our passions. There is one more, con- one more account here that I want to look at of those that were with Jesus and did not recognize him. Turn to the book of John again, chapter 21. Again, we're recognizing God. We're seeing God at work in our daily life. We're seeing the reality of God being ever-present with us and not just a realm somewhere above us in a realm, in a heavenly realm of a disconnected God. John 21. Another account that you're familiar with. John 21, let's read the first 14 verses. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise he showed himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Canaan and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. Does that like Simon Peter? I'm going fishing. You going to do something. Who's tired of sitting around? I'm going fishing. They said unto him, We'll go with you. We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Verse 4, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Sound familiar? Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast a net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard it, it was the Lord, he girded his father's good unto him, for he was naked, and he cast himself into the sea. So Simon, Peter was the first one going out and the first one going back in. Uh, verse 8, And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but it was, as it were, 200 cubits, dragging, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon then as they were come to the land, they saw fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. And Jesus saith unto them, Bring the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew, it to, drew the net to land full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three. For the, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, 
come and dine. And none of the disciples, they didn't dare to ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples. And after that, he was risen from the dead. Stop reading there. This is the third time. Again, men that came into context, right? Same realm as Jesus and didn't know it was him. Why did they not recognize him? Have you ever thought about that? What was it that kept them from immediately, immediately recognizing Jesus? Well, first, they, I think naturally they were tired. They were out all night. Fished at night. Water's cooled off. Fish came up. They fished during the day. Water's got hot. Fish go down. So this is probably normal for them to fish all night because that was when it was best. But I'm assuming they were still tired, even though they were used to it. They were weary. They were up all night. They were fishing. And of course, they were failing. And so they were tired. They're physically tired. And the second reason, maybe, why they didn't recognize Jesus was that they were distracted and they were preoccupied. They were busy. They were not just sitting there floating along doing nothing. They were finishing up the night. It was towards morning. They still didn't catch anything. And they were, they were busy. They were working. They were preoccupied with what they were doing. So they didn't recognize him at first. What did Jesus bring to their scenario? What did, he, what did this presence of God with them ever-present God. What did Jesus, God in the flesh, what did he bring to this situation? I see the presence of Christ bringing clarity, I'm sorry, a blessing and a gift. He brought clarity, but he brought a blessing and he gave them a gift. He, He brought them something. He brought them breakfast, brought them food. And he brought them success. Right? And the nets were full. Can you relate? His life feel, probably feels busy. I mean, maybe different, con, different elements to each one of us, but life has a way of our schedules keep us going pretty good most times. And life is busy. And sometimes life is fatiguing. Life makes us weary. We get tired of doing our daily grind sometimes, most, a lot of times. Do you see God in your fatigue of your daily schedule. Does your daily schedule have you preoccupied? Which I had to think about sometimes. Am I preoccupied with what I'm doing? Do I fail to recognize and see God's presence with me every day because I'm distracted or I'm tired or I'm weary, just like the disciples were here in this account? God, we don't... We know that we don't uh, believe in the, you know, a faith that brings blessing, or we don't. It's not a God that just showers things on us. But God wants us to experience good things. God wants to gift us with things in life. He's a good God that cares about us and loves us, and He is waiting to bring us a blessing. Do not uh, brush off the good things in your life as coincidences. We're used to it. We're very used to good things. But recognize the gifts that God gives you. When you experience something good, when you experience peace and confidence, every day we experience a forgiveness of guilt that comes from knowing Christ. 
you experience spiritual life. We don't have to wonder what's next. Those are all things that are gifts that God brings us, brings to us to show us that he is with us. He is present. God is ever-present, and he will bring us good things, bring us life, peace, confidence, inner joy, all things that God wants to bring his people. Just like he brought a gift in this account. Recognize those things as God's gift, as God's presence with you. Romans, 6, uh, Romans 12 says this, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. You are given a natural talent that is to be used for kingdom work. That is called your spiritual gift. God enables each person differently to carry out uh, his plans for his kingdom, okay? Your spiritual gift is given to you by God. That is God showing himself with you. You might be a, do well at serving. You might do well at bringing God to people. Maybe you like to teach. Maybe you're an encourager. Maybe affirmation is your gift. Maybe you're financially easily able to give, to support, uh, to give uh, to God's kingdom. You might be doing good at leading. You might be a leader, a natural leader, and do well at it. That's God's presence with you. Showing mercy is also a gift. These different things that God brings to his people, which we call our spiritual giftings, our natural abilities that are driven by the Spirit and may be coupled with a passion, that is God showing himself that he's real and he's present. When you know that you are using your spiritual gift, know that you are bringing, you're, you're proving, or you're showing that God is real. God is with us. God is with us every single day. And along with that, show that God is real to somebody else by using your spiritual ability. Bring God to somebody and let God work through you to prove his reality to somebody else so that they may also feel like God is real and God is ever-present. A couple thoughts here in conclusion. Uh, life indeed brings disappointments. Life brings the unexpected, and life can be confusing. Life is demanding. Life is busy and fatiguing. Life can be distracting. God is ever-present in your life. God's going to bring clarity in your distractions. He will guide the unexpected. Knowing God will bring you understanding. See him at work in your life. Thank him for what he is doing. Praise him for his existence in your life this week. And let him, let him guide you. Bring God to somebody else this week by your natural ability. Show God's real by blessing somebody else in the ways that, she, that he enabled you to do that. I'm going to change, I'm not changing the, the verse. I want to change scripture. I'm going to change the, the, the phrase of Isaiah 7.14 in closing. Uh, same verse, just change the, 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 the tense of it. Therefore, the Lord himself has given us a sign. The virgin did conceive, and she did give birth to a son. 
and they have called his name Emmanuel. God is with us. I want you to stand for prayer. After prayer, we have a song made. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're here, you're now, you're present. God, what a great comfort and inspiration in your word is. And we look back at these examples in scripture that are recorded of real people in real life with real experiences that have shown us how we can relate to you. Jesus, thank you for um, interacting with your followers in this way so that we can learn from these accounts. God, we are your people. We are in need of your guidance. We are in need and we long to feel your presence. And uh, we want to stay in your will. All of us have different life dynamics, different scenarios. We have different decisions to make this week. Please, please bring us clarity, Father. Allow us to make the proper decisions that keep us in your will for each of us respectively. God, thank you for being with us. Thank you for being ever-present, for being here, for being now. And may we as your people, as disciples of yours, as we bring your kingdom to earth each moment of the day this week, give us the courage to do that and show us how to bring you to other people so that others may, may recognize you and praise you also. I ask a blessing on the church here at Myerstown. God, would you, your spirit be with each one? Would you show this church how to further your kingdom uh, in the ways that you need them to? We thank you for this time together this morning, Father. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you.